Hello and welcome to History for Weirdos. We're your hosts, Andrew and Stephanie. And each week, we're going to take you on a journey into the strange, obscure, and relentlessly entertaining corners of human history. Now listen up, friends, because it's about to get weird. Weirdos, welcome to episode number 71 of the History for Weirdos podcast. And happy new year, weirdos. Happy new year, guys. First episode of the new year. And did you know we actually just celebrated our three-year anniversary of our very first episode? I didn't know that. Yeah, it was just a few days ago, actually. (laughs) You just sprung this on me? (laughs) Yes, I wanted to surprise you. It's been three years? It's been three years, yes. And for... You listeners, so you guys know, we had the first 20 episodes, about like six months, roughly. Yes. Where we were very consistent. And then we took an over a year hiatus. That was because of the pandemic. Because of the pandemic. And we moved. And just a lot of stuff happened in our lives. I graduated grad school. Exactly. It was a weird time. It was a really weird time. Um, But what was great was like the like the OG weirdos were emailing us like, hey, when are you guys coming back? Mm-hmm. And that was the impetus for us to restart, you know, essentially from from zero in a way. And we started back, was it September of 2021? That's amazing. I can't believe it's already been three years. The first episode uh, we recorded was in my mom and dad's bedroom. Yes. We were watching my siblings. My siblings are a lot younger than I am. And we were hanging out, like babysitting, basically. And we wanted to get the episode in because you were traveling for work. Right. And so we were like huddled in my parents' bedroom. (laughs) Yeah. And now here we are huddled on our couch. Exactly. Oh, how far we've come. How far we've come, (laughs) indeed. Yeah, it's been a great time. And before we get in the episode, just one quick announcement. We were recently featured in Shout Out LA. So if you guys haven't read that article, you can find the link in our bio on Instagram. I definitely, I'm biased. I recommend reading it. Yes. <laughs> because we talk a little bit more about kind of the origin of the podcast. We talk a lot about this wonderful weirdo community. And then we also give some recommendations for spots to check out in LA. Exactly. Yeah. So check that out. Also, it'll be in our show notes for yes. this episode as well. Okay. Without further ado, Stephanie, what is your tale for us this week? This week, our first episode of 2023, and I'm suddenly feeling the pressure. Yeah. I hope it's a good one. Uh, It's going to be a great one. Thank you, babe. Yeah. We will be discussing the mysterious death of Jane Stanford. As in Stanford University? Yep. As in Stanford University. So I will definitely get into that. Okay. Very cool. Okay. Well, not very cool, but you know. (laughs) Very interesting, I should say. It's very interesting. Yeah, guys, I do not think murder is cool, just to be very clear on that. I didn't say anything about murder. Because <gasps> I know a little bit about this. That's oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers. Spoilers. Okay, well, let me start at the very beginning. The, when she was born. That's okay. the beginning. <laughs> so Jane Elizabeth Lathrop, I think is how you pronounce her maiden name, uh, was an American philanthropist, social entrepreneur, and, as Andrew stated, the co-founder of the prestigious Stanford University in Northern California. She was originally born in Albany, New York, 
fun fact, that's where my Uncle John and my Aunt Karen live. Oh, and they're probably listening to this episode. Yeah, so, so hello. So shout out to you guys. <laughs> Uncle John and Aunt Karen, you're the best. Um, and she was born on August 25th, 1828. Oh, that's my mom's birthday. Not the year. Yeah. But... <laughs> the year. Oh, your mom would be so mad if you had said the year. I know. She's probably listening to this as well. So shout out to you too, mom. Hello, Christy. Um, no, so that actually makes her a Virgo, which totally tracks for the founder of a prestigious university. I just wanted to throw that in there. Of course. You for had all, to. For all the weirdos that are into astrology, they know what I'm talking about. So... As I mentioned, she founded Stanford with her husband, Leland Stanford. Yes. Jane and Leland were married on September 30th, 1850. Leland had migrated to California during the gold rush. Oh, wow. Do you know, like, why? Was it for to be, like, a miner or to sell stuff? To become a successful merchant. Yeah, that was his goal. My man. Um, and wholesaler. Afterward, he was known as an industrialist. Mm-hmm. They don't have that job title anymore, but I think it sounds really cool. <laughs> and politician who even served as the eighth governor of California. Wait, Stanford did? Yeah. Leland oh, wow. Stanford from 1862 to 1863. Oh, wow. During the Civil War. Mm-hmm. Interesting. According to really in-depth research into the Stanfords that I will get into more later as to who did this research... Uh, Leland Stanford and his partners had mastered the art of fraud and bribery. Interesting. According to historian Richard White, the fraud, quote, was rampant. To sell bonds, they are saying things that are not true. They are planting false stories in papers to manipulate the stock market and giving gifts to public officials to vote on bills favorable to them. And that is how Leland Stanford built his empire. <laughs> oh my God. That's kind of like how the Kennedys built their empires through uh, illegal bootlegging during the 1920s. That's right. That's a really good reference. Yeah. And this was very typical, I think, of Gilded Age fortunes. Yeah. Um, so there's that going on. It kind of doesn't surprise me, actually, now that I think about it. It does, but it doesn't. I agree. I had the same it does, but it doesn't thought. Uh, and fun fact, Leland's brother, Thomas, was a well-known spiritualist. Oh, and we've spoken about spiritualists. Yes. I mentioned the spiritualist movement in a previous episode, and Jane Stanford was a devoted spiritualist. And this was actually not common in San Francisco's high society at the time. Interesting. It was very popular, as we saw in England. Mm -hmm. um, but the people in San Francisco thought that she was really kooky and they questioned her mental state, which I just think is so funny because today we all think of San Francisco as the kookiest, weirdest place. <laughs> exactly. That's really interesting thinking of like San Francisco as being like some conservative haven. Yes. Yeah, so it's like the opposite today. Absolutely. Um, so let me get into a little bit about the university because that does ultimately play into the larger story here. Okay. So they founded... This university, unfortunately, to honor their deceased only child. No, mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah, Leland Stanford Jr. Oh, that's terrible. Sadly, Leland Stanford Jr. died at the young age of 15 years old of typhoid fever in 1884. Mm. Leland and Jane were obviously devastated. Um, I can imagine. Yeah, and it's really interesting that... This death prompted them to use their wealth to do something positive for other people's children, is how they put it. 
The official mission was, quote, to promote the public welfare by exercising an influence on behalf of humanity and civilization. Yeah. And you know how much like Stanford tuition was back then? <laughs> how it was, much? It was about like 50 cents. Yeah. And how much do you think today? Like 50,000? <laughs> exactly. Yes. I'm totally making up the 50 cents, but 50,000 probably is fairly accurate. I know. They deeded a large fortune and an 8,180-acre Palo Alto plot, which is where the campus was built. Jeez, I know Stanford is a big campus. I didn't realize it was that big. That's, like, insane. I've only been once, Mm -hmm. and it felt very big. I've never been. I went for a USC game, funny enough. Oh, nice. Yeah. I don't know why else I would be there, so that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The Stanford University website notes that the campus is also located within the traditional territory of the Muwekma Ohlone tribe. And I'm so sorry, I don't know how to pronounce that. And I didn't, I couldn't find like um, a little pronouncey thingy on Google. Right. So Stanford University opened on October 1st, 1891. And to this day, the legal name of the institution is actually Leland Stanford Junior University. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Everyone just has shortened it to Stanford. Right. Even them. I've never seen any sort of like promotional yeah. materials ever saying anything more than Stanford University. I know. I thought that was so odd. Yeah. Huh. Wow. Stanford University just has a more succinct ring to it. Mm-hmm. I think it makes sense from a marketing perspective. Absolutely. So it was Jane Stanford's direction that led the university to prioritize the arts at the time. That was what they were really known for. Mm -hmm. And she really advocated for the admission of women students. And it's actually been a co-ed university since it first opened. Is that not common? No. Wow, it's it's so funny. I feel like we just take that for granted today. Of course. No, no. It was, she was very, um, she didn't come from a lot of money, but she was pretty well educated for a woman of her time. Mm -hmm. Um, other universities were not admitting women at all. Wow. I mean, even when my grandmother in the 50s wanted got into Columbia, they had only like a handful of slots for women in that department, in the math department. Wow. So they were really, really like coveted and I guess really, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it was hard to get in, basically. There was a ton of barriers for yeah. women to get in any sort of higher educational institution. Competitive, uh, duh. That's yes. what I was thinking. <laughs> I was like, I'm going I'm to hit myself over that. Well, moving forward, Leland and Jane remained together until his death. He suffered from locomotor ataxia, And this is actually a progressive disease that attacks the central nervous system. Mm -hmm. And it ultimately resulted in heart failure. And he passed away in his home in Palo Alto on June 21st, 1893. He is actually buried, excuse me, on the campus. Really? In a family mausoleum. Oh, wow. That's kind of spooky. That's a little spooky. Yeah. Do you know how old he was? Let's see, 1893, I don't know numbers. No, I have no idea how old he was. (laughs) Good one. (laughs) (laughs) So for a decade following her husband's death, Mm -hmm. uh, Jane was the sole trustee of the university. Mm. She involved herself in the daily management of everything. um, And some reports from the time imply that she was very demanding and controlling. Uh, I saw one that was funny. It was like, she acted like she owned the place. 
Well, I guess she did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So whether she was controlling or not, it's pretty easy to imagine that a woman in her position was causing some friction and even potentially developing enemies. Ooh. Mm. And it wasn't until 1903 that Mrs. Stanford, and then I'll refer to her probably moving forward as, when I say Stanford, I'm referring to Jane Stanford. Okay. Um, She was finally persuaded, they said, to turn over the reins to a board of trustees. And when she did, she was like, okay, but I will be the president of this board. So who persuaded her? How do you know any details behind Faculty. that? Faculty. Oh, okay. Yeah, they were like they're just hey. like, hey, you're just too crazy for us. You're a little intense. <laughs> do you mind if we do it this way from now on? And she's like, okay, only if I'm president, though. So she's like, yeah, the board's in charge. I'm president of the board. Exactly. Um, so spoiler alert: Jane dies. I mean, I kind of <laughs> spoiled that in the beginning. Yes. <laughs> I know. I swear. I thought well, you said death, and then. I did. I said the mysterious death. So I spoiled the death part. You okay. spoiled something else that's coming. Mm. Her death isn't the mystery or the weird part of this story. Um, Stanford University, law enforcement, and historians for a very, very long time all insisted that her death was due to natural causes. But the evidence we're about to dive into tells a different story. Conspiracy. Let's go. <laughs> this is really interesting. I love hearing about conspiracies. <laughs> like real life, real conspiracies. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks to um, the research and subsequent books of two Stanford University professors, we actually have a better idea of the truth. And this is the research I referenced earlier. Okay. The first body of research that I'll be referencing is the work of Dr. Robert W.P. Cutler. And he wrote the book titled The Mysterious Death of Jane Stanford, which came out in 2003. Oh, wow. And Dr. Cutler was a professor of neurology and neuroscience at oh, Stanford. Like 100 years later. Yeah. Isn't and, that? Yeah, that's, that's kind of wild, actually. Isn't that nuts? Okay. The that's second, really weird. Yes. The second historian... And Stanford professor oh my God. is Richard White, who wrote the book titled Who Killed Jane Stanford? A Gilded Age Tale of Murder, Deceit, Spirits, and the Birth of a University. Yes, I've heard about this book. I showed it to you in a bookstore. That's, That's why. why. Oh my God. That's <laughs> what <laughs> so it's like to have a husband. I know. Like, hey, I know this book. And you're like, yes. I showed it to you. Um, I think I actually posted a picture of it even on our uh, stories on Instagram. Oh, really? This looks so good. Oh, very cool. Uh, This book was named one of the best nonfiction books of 2022 by the LA Times. Oh, wow. So I haven't read either of the books yet, but I read a lot of interviews with the authors Mm -hmm. and a lot of the articles from various publications will quote the books directly. Interesting. Okay. Um. So if you find this story interesting at all, I do highly recommend you check out those books. I'm probably going to as well. Nice. So here's what we know. On the evening of January 14th, 1905, at her Knob Hill mansion in San Francisco, Jane Stanford drank a glass of Poland Spring Mineral Water from a bottle that was placed in her room uh, as she had it there every night placed in the same spot by the same servant. However, on this night, she noted a bad taste and immediately induced herself to vomit. Oh, so she uh, didn't cause her to vomit. She induced it herself. Yep. 
She called for her secretary and her maid. Um, They each were like, oh, let me taste this water. Wow. (laughs) And they agreed that it had, quote, a queer and bitter taste. Interesting. Why would you taste it after she just made herself throw up? I don't know. Yeah, that's weird. The The bottle of water was sent to the pharmacy for analysis. And then a few weeks later, the results were in. The Poland water had been poisoned with enough strychnine to kill someone in minutes. Oh my gosh. Okay, so someone was out to get her. Yeah. For those of us who may not know, strychnine is a white, odorless, bitter, crystalline powder. Mm -hmm. It's highly toxic, and it's usually used to kill small vertebrae, such as birds. No, not birds. Not birds. So it is... It's just a poison, right? So someone yeah. put... For, to kill a human, I imagine they put a lot in there. Right. So understandably, Stanford was upset <laughs> by this. And she had a cold, so she was probably cranky. And she was like, you know what? I'm going to go to Hawaii. Man. <laughs> this is too much. I'm just going to go to Hawaii. I'm going to chill there. Man, I, I'm I'm envious. I want to just like... If I'm having a bad day, I just want to be like, you know what? I just want to go surfing in Hawaii. Let's just yeah. do it. The next time I have a cold, I'm just going to be like, let's go to Hawaii. Granted, she did have someone try to kill her. That's a little... Mm. <laughs> On top you of have that. have millions of dollars, but people trying <laughs> to kill you or not. Neither of those things. I don't know, babe. Millions, millions of, of dollars. dollars. <laughs> that sounds pretty nice. So... There was other stuff going on for her aside from this, the sniffles and the poisoning. The sniffles. <laughs> they just kept <laughs> noting that she was sick. You're like, okay, I get it. Um, she was actually really worried at the time because she got a report from a faculty friend, a.k.a. her personal spy on campus, Professor Goebel. Goebel said something, we don't know, we don't have that correspondence, mm-hmm. that led her to doubt whether the university president, David Starr Jordan, was the right man to lead the institution. Wow. There was apparently some sort of um, dirt that Goebel dug up on him. Interesting. So she was like, ugh, I have to like figure out what I'm going to do about this. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to go to Hawaii. Um, <laughs> as one does. As one does. Stanford and Jordan, the university president... They had been in constant communication from the moment he took over as president. They seemed to get along pretty well. But then they had began to butt heads recently. And again, per Professor Goebel, it seems that Stanford was considering just removing him from the presidency altogether. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, So she left for Honolulu on February 15th, 1905. Okay. And we don't know the reasons as to why they wanted to remove him. No. Okay. Maybe it's in the book because I couldn't find more information on that. I was looking. Um, On the night of February 28th at the Moana Hotel in Honolulu. Moana. Yeah, like the Disney princess. Or like the Italian adult film actress. Yeah, I don't think that's who the hotel is named (laughs) after. Um, Mrs. Stanford asked her personal secretary, Bertha Berner. What a name. First. Bertha Burner. Yeah, moment. she has to be a scientist. A moment of silence for Bertha Burner. That's not a like a Bunsen name. burner. Like a Bunsen burner. That's why, like, she needs to be a scientist. This person, I don't know anything about her. Okay. But she's a secretary, I guess. She should have been a scientist. Yeah. I'm really, really disappointed in her. 
Well, she'll come up again later. Okay, great. <laughs> um, so she asked Bertha for bicarbonate of soda to ease her stomach. Oh, so something super alkaline. Yeah. At 11.15 p.m., Stanford wakes up and she's screaming and crying. I'm so sick. Run for the doctor. I have no control of my body. I think I've been poisoned again. Mm. So then they did have, of course, as one does, they did travel with a doctor. Um, so they had doctor, Damn. I know, they had Dr. Francis Howard Humphreys come and help. Mm-hmm. And when he arrived, uh, he reported, Jane was saying to him, my jaws are stiff. This is a horrible death to die. Oh, Wow. According to the doctor, her jaw muscles had contracted and then she began experiencing muscle spasms throughout her body before her breathing stopped. Jeez. It appears that Dr. Humphreys did everything he could to save her, including uh, calling in other doctors that were with the hotel, like the, I guess, like on-call doctors at the resort Mm -hmm. uh, for consult. This was Dr. Francis... Day and Dr. Harry Vickers Murray. So three doctors are in this woman's room and they tried to administer an emetic, which is just a substance that causes vomiting. Mm-hmm. And, or, and then they tried to even pump her stomach. But sadly, their efforts were unable to save her. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jane Stanford died on February 28th, 1905 at the age of 76 from the strychnine poisoning. No. So you think it was strychnine? We're going to get into that. Oh, snap. Let's go. (laughs) So Stanford University president, David Starr Jordan, who we were just talking about. He's shady. (laughs) You're just going to call it from here. I'm just calling it like, I mean, dude, motive. That guy has some serious motive. Yep. We're going to get into that. Okay. He went to Hawaii immediately to escort her body back to California. Sus. He held a press conference and he stated right away that she had died of heart failure and this was the story that you would find in many history books for a very long time up until um dr cutler's research in 2003 wow man this guy this shady dude probably just got away with murder we're gonna see we're gonna see (laughs) well you get to decide at the end so this is your guess now this is my guess i mean unless there's some new information that comes to light this is my guess okay Jane Stanford's funeral was held in Memorial Church at Stanford University on March 24th, 1905. More than 6,000 people attended the service. Wow. And she left apparently a good amount of money to relatives. Again, they didn't have any other children, but like cousins, stuff like that. And charities. The bulk of her estate was donated to the university. Oh, wow. Okay. That's another red mm-hmm. flag. So, you pointed out that I said the uh, strychnine. Right. Well, forensic analysis revealed the presence of strychnine in the bicarbonate that Stanford had taken. And they found traces of that same substance in her tissue, in her flesh. Okay. So, the doctors who were all present, those three doctors were like, this lady was poisoned. That's what they testified to. Um, But... Dr. Cutler's research, this guy from 2003, Mm -hmm. shows that the university president, Jordan, he went on like a smear campaign to smear the reputation of Humphreys and the other doctors present. Um, He really took charge of the narrative after Jane's death. And he was saying 
that she died because of their incompetence. Man, that's a third red flag. He's calling them quacks. He's like, oh yeah, these three doctors who like don't really know each other, they all just happen to be quacks. It was clearly that they bonded together and they <laughs> their incompetence killed her. Yes. Not my poisoning. I mean, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, but behind the scenes, people were aware of the evidence showing that, oh my gosh, she was poisoned with the same poison that was in her home in Knob Hill. Um, so since people were like, well, what about the poison that they found in the bicarbonate? Jordan then switches his story a little bit from incompetence on the doctors. He actually then accuses Humphreys, her personal doctor, of adding the poison to the soda um, after Stanford had died so that he wouldn't look like he was incompetent. So he's not accusing him of like actively trying to kill her, but he's like, oh, I don't want anyone to think it's because I'm a, a sucky doctor, so let me put poison... Yeah, that's Here. such shenanigans. I don't believe that for a second. What a weird story to go with. Yeah, if I was like back then and I was hearing him like say something along those lines, I would just be like, homie, like, no. <laughs> like, are you serious? Like, that's that sounds absurd. Yeah, it really does. And when Humphreys heard that um, Jordan is like spreading these rumors, he goes and he confronts him in person. And Jordan is like, oh, my God, I never said that. Oh my god, this guy is so suspect. And then when he gets back to Stanford, Jordan fires Goebel, the professor who was working as Jane's spy, um, as soon as he gets home. So all of this definitely makes Jordan sound suspicious, right? Yeah, he sounds so suspect. At the very least, his behavior would make me wonder, like, was he doing all of this to try to protect this, like, new university from scandal? Like... This is such a fledgling institution. Mm. Is he trying to just be like, everyone just say she just died of natural death. We don't want like a bad PR situation. Right. That's an f- interesting point. Or was he trying to throw suspicion off of himself because he's her murderer? Right. And what's interesting to know is that he was not present at either poisoning incident, right? He wasn't at her home. He wasn't in Hawaii. And the police, according to police reports never considered him a suspect when they questioned people. Yeah, but police back then were really dumb. There's also... I couldn't find it again. Like, I lost... In my millions of tabs that were open, I lost um, a reference that I had implying that it's very possible that he had uh, bribed the police. Right. Particularly the Hawaii police and that Jordan had kind of like these very elitist... um, views about oh the people in hawaii are like super incompetent and uncivilized i'll just go over there and like fix things is kind of the attitude he went with interesting um so i don't know if he like tried to bribe people but i couldn't find that again so maybe i made this up maybe i hallucinated it Mm. but it's possible that he could have (laughs) it's possible he could have bribed police it's possible the police were just like dude wasn't here why would he be a suspect i don't know right but then who else could it have been? I mean, it very well could have been him. I mean, what I think, he's the mastermind, and he got someone to do his dirty work for him. Mm-hmm. Like, he supplied maybe the strychnine, mm-hmm. and then he just had one of the maids or something. like, Or maybe not even the maid. Maybe it could have just been, like, a passerby, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, one of the delivery people, right? Mm-hmm. It could just, like, like a you know, someone who would blend in. Mm. 
I like that. I like that. Thought. I've been playing way too much Assassin's Creed. I think, <laughs> oh <lately>. no, <laughs> that's very true. Um, I think those are really good, good theories that you have going there. Why? Thank you. There was only one person, by the way, who was present at both events that we're aware of. Mm-hmm. Again, I I hadn't thought of this, but I really second your opinion that policing just wasn't to the same standard. That's a much like more diplomatic way of saying that like police were are like way smarter now than they were back then. Yeah, they you know, we've talked about cases or incidences on this podcast even where like, oh yeah, and then the cops let everyone walk around where the bodies were found and then Yeah. You know, they just we didn't have like standard operating procedures. So to their knowledge, according to records, the only person who was present at both poisoning events was mm-hmm. her personal secretary Bertha Burner. Burner. The Bunsen Burner. She had been with Stanford for 30 years. She'd worked with her. Hmm. Um, She was always with her, whether she was in Palo Alto or whether she was traveling. In Stanford's will, members of the household staff each received $1,000. But Burner was given $15,000, which amounts to a hundred grand today. Plus, she gave her a house. Oh my gosh! Oh, that is that's kind of motive, actually. That's motive. That like on the one hand, that could speak to the level of like intimacy they had. Like, wow, they must she must have been almost like family, or she really cared about her. She really trusted her. She really wanted to thank her for or, I, I thirty guess, years of service. Right. I mean, I guess. Or the, this is really good motive. If she saw her will at some point, was exactly. Like, Wait a second, if this lady goes, I get a hundred grand in a house? Yeah, and also, like, you know, this is, you know, what something that I was just thinking about is, like, has she seen the will? And I think that's mm-hmm. the question. Like, had she seen the will? If she hasn't seen the will, then, like, that's a moot point. But if she had. Or had, had Jane, like, been passing, been like. Yeah. Maybe one I'm gonna, night. I'm going to leave you. Yeah. yeah, one night too many glasses of wine. Yeah, basically. I'm going to leave you so much. You're going to be like, so Don't worry, good, girl. Yeah, you're, you're like set. Yeah. Who knows? Police interviewed Burner because she was in an, like the initial suspect since she was the only person. On the surface, that makes sense. Yeah, there both times. But they quickly eliminated her as a suspect. I don't know why they eliminated her as a suspect. I'm not saying that I think she did it. But I don't know, like, if there was witnesses that were with her or something. I don't know what evidence they had to draw that conclusion that they're like, oh, no, it's definitely not Bertha Burner. Um, And interesting that you had these big aspirations for Bertha uh, because she would actually later go on to write two memoirs. Oh, very well. (laughs) So she's making bank as well. She had the money. She wasn't just going to sit back on that hundred grand. She was going to make a name for herself. She wrote two memoirs sharing her own accounts of Jane Stanford's life and death. The first is titled Incidents in the Life of Mrs. Leland Stanford by her private secretary, Bertha Burner. So not the greatest title in the world. <laughs> not a very snappy title. It's not, no. And then, sorry. And then the second one is titled Mrs. Leland Stanford, an intimate account. That's better. Yeah, so she got better. She got better, yeah. <laughs> Titling her books. So she <laughs> talks about, obviously, in both books, she talks about the night that Jane died and that initial poisoning attempt. So you'd think, like, there must be really good evidence in there. No. 
due to various discrepancies of like just reality in both of her books as well as the books contradicting each other oh my god historians view these records as mostly inaccurate um they are there's a lot of like creative liberties basically creative liberties i like that yeah like little details that like people picked up on quickly like oh yeah and like we watched the moon and it's like the full moon that night and it's like there was no full moon that night or it was raining for hours and hours we couldn't go anywhere there was no rain that night you know Little things like that, people were like, wait a second. But then apparently the two books just tell two different stories. So she was just like make, gonna make money. She was making money. But I'm I'm happy for, for her to do that. She was just hustling. She was hustling, you know? So at this point, mm-hmm. weirdos and Andrew, <laughs> who do you think it was? Jordan, Burner, Jordan and Burner working together... Or was there someone else, maybe someone in her staff or someone else associated with the university that could have done it? Okay, so I think Jordan for sure, that's the president, right? Mm-hmm. I think he definitely is the mastermind. And I, I mean, I'm just going yeah. with my same like previous guess. I don't think it's Burner. I yeah. think it was someone else. I think it was just someone who was like, hey, the guy's like, hey, look, I'll give you like 500 bucks Mm -hmm. which back then would have been a ton of money just put this powder in this lady's drink exactly Mm -hmm. and then he could have used like two different people each time that's you know one it doesn't have to be the same person it might it would be hard though back then to like arrange for someone in hawaii to have the same poison and to put that poison you know what i mean like Like to have a contact so i wonder if yeah, I wonder if they brought the water, though. Like, if she's drinking that Poland... Like, I wonder uh-huh. if she was super, like, loaded, where it's like, oh, I have to have this type of water. And so they just brought it. Like, like the to... Mountain Valley water? Exactly. Yeah. It, it, that's you, exactly what I'm thinking of, is YouTubers with their Mountain Valley water? <laughs> Seriously, yeah. <laughs> yes. That's a good point. You know, fun fact, I've never had Mountain Valley water. Really? Yeah. It's really good. I should... I'll splurge next time I'm at, like, the grocery store. I'll get some. This is not sponsored, you guys. This is not sponsored at all, yeah, so. <laughs> just It's just some yummy water. Yeah. Um, that's true. It was the bicarbonate the second time, but maybe he poisoned, like, all of her drinks or yeah. something. He had someone poison all her drinks. That's, that's a, a really good point. That's a good theory. Um, what do you think? I definitely think he has something to do with it. But I don't, I don't know. There's something that just feels off. Like, I think a big piece is missing. I think there's something complicated going on. There might yes. even be competing things that just happen that look like, oh, this is a big plot and there's just coincidences. I just don't feel like it's as simple as like, this lady's going to fire me. Well, I'll kill her first. I don't know. I feel like there's something else. That's a good point. Well, according to Cutler, this is the guy who wrote the first book. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a quote from him from the book. Quote, Burner, the secretary seems to have had ample opportunity, but no obvious motive. Jordan seems to have had motive, but no obvious opportunity. If anyone wishes to draw such conclusions, they should have evidence to support them. I couldn't find any, so I will leave the reader to draw his or her own conclusions. Oh, wow. I hate it when, like, when people who make movies, like, do that. It's a book, but yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, when they're know. like, it's up to you. Was yeah. this real? Was this not real? I mean, I typically see it more in movies than I do in books. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, I hate that. That's how he ended it. And again, I haven't read uh, Richard White's book. That's the more recent one. Mm-hmm. He apparently just tells a great, great like story of the Stanfords. And he draws very vivid pictures of them as people. And maybe not the best people, but very complicated people. Right, just the accurate portrayal. Yes. Um, but apparently, like, according to reviews, he also doesn't give you, like, it's definitely this person. Mm. He also kind of leaves it up to you based on the evidence that he provides. So, in my opinion, only two things are certain in this case. Yeah. One, Jane Stanford did not die of natural causes. Absolutely, I agree. And two... Someone got away with murder. (laughs) Weirdos, that is the mystery of the murder of Jane Stanford. Thank you. Yes. I appreciate the claps. Um, Let me share my sources with you all because there are some good ones. Stanford Magazine article titled Who Killed Jane Stanford by Susan Wolfe. Uh, women in history they have kind of like wikipedia pages of women in history very nice and they have one on jane stanford okay there's a los angeles time article also called who killed jane stanford by mary ann gwynn and then of course the books mentioned throughout this episode really good resources and wikipedia very nice well thank you so much for the story i learned a lot about this i knew she was you know murdered but i didn't know like all this intrigue behind this, so yeah. like the, uh, the scenes, and you don't associate these very prestigious higher education places with like scandal, but that is what a lot of them are rooted in. Yeah, a lot of them. Yeah, so I thought that was really interesting, and um, I really miss the show The Gilded Age. So this was a nice. <laughs> you love that time period. I've noticed you it's... love like late nineteenth century, early twentieth century. It's so. Fun. It was such it's a, a vibe. It was such a weird time. The old money, the new money thing, I think, is so ridiculous. Yeah. Like those arguments. It was a time of like, like wow, people could obtain a ton of wealth really quickly. Exactly. But I love that they often did it. I don't. I don't love it. I don't approve of this. But I think it's interesting that they often built their wealth through these kind of nefarious means. Exactly. Yeah. I think I it's think, fascinating. I think it is. I feel you. I feel mm-hmm. you. Well, thank you again. Of course. And that's all I have for you all this week. Okay. Well, weirdos, that's it. Until next time. Oh, wait. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram. Oh, yes, of course. My bad. <laughs> what follow a us Instagram. Outro, babe. Yeah, I know. Worst outro ever. Follow us on Instagram at History for Weirdos. That's where we post everything. So yes. if you like any news about the show, you're going to find it there. Yep. And we are. Always so happy to receive your messages and comments. If we don't get back to you right away, please know that they still make our day. Absolutely. And you guys influence and inspire these episodes so much. So thank you for that. Absolutely. This time, until next time, weirdos. (laughs) Until next time, weirdos. Adios. Adios.